It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell them other guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's Your boy, Jay King with The Athletic, here with Sam Jam Packard, the great, formerly of WEEI. We've got some leftover thoughts from the Celtics 76ers game, which the Celtics won by 18 points, despite Kyrie Irving going two for 97 and Gordon Hayward not quite resembling himself. And a lot of other things, at least offensively, going wrong. So we've we've got your reaction to that. We're going to probably stick to that for, for most of this podcast because real basketball has happened. And now that real basketball is here, we might as well react to real basketball. Don't you agree, Sam? Yeah, I did a, a whole lot of reacting to real basketball last night, and I've had a whole 24 hours to marinate on it. And... um. I think I feel worse about the Celtics win because the more Ooh. I thought about it, the more I thought it was just the 76ers uh, were very bad at offense. And the Celtics were not great at offense until, except for uh, some stretches in the fourth quarter. Okay. Um, okay. But, I'm, 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 I'm here to argue. I'm here to argue. I, I like it when you argue. Let's hear it. They were bad at offense. Uh, but also, like, Kyrie went two for 14. And Kyrie was wide open most of the time. Like Kyrie had wide open three pointers and Kyrie had wide open pull up jumpers and Kyrie had a couple of drives that Kyrie probably wishes he would have had back. Um, so yeah, they, like their offense wasn't good, but they were close to being good. And they, they were, they had moments definitely more so in the second half, but the, the, they're starting out in their half court offense really did not generate the most good looks. They definitely in the second half, Kyrie came in, then missed a wide open three, and then I think Tatum missed a wide open three on the next possession, and then they kind of got their offense going. But in general, you would have liked to see more production from like I don't know. They looked pretty rusty, and maybe that's just the first game of the year. And then I will say the first like four minutes or three minutes, it was dog shit. It was. it was a bad basketball. It was so funny. It was like like the worst college game that's ever been played. With with just guys losing control of themselves and missing layups and 
using just way too much energy <laughs> and not not like playing within themselves it was player after player just missing layups and i was a fan i was a fan <laughs> of, of those first like four minutes just because it was so ridiculous like two of the best teams at the Eastern conference and guys were just missing layups like jalen brown missed a wide open layup markel fultz missed a wide open layup like just so many guys missing wide open layups and it was it was to me that shit was fun that shit was enjoyable <laughs> because you don't see that a lot you don't see a lot of the time like nba players just totally fucking up repeatedly on both sides and that time you did and and, and you you could even understand it because it was the first game and it was just guys Guys excited to get back to real basketball. And so I was I was all aboard the fuck-up train for the first, like, three or four you can, minutes. You can tell it's the first game of the season because in game, like, 68, if they played, like, four minutes like this, you would not you would not have the same reaction. Oh, no. I'd be like, oh, that was the worst ever. I'm done with this shit. Can't believe I I'm can't... in Utah to watch this. <laughs> I can't wait for the playoffs to get here. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Um, but, but game one, I'm like, I'm like, that is just hilarious. Like these guys, <laughs> these super talented guys are just missing layups and it's fantastic. And it happened for like, like several minutes. It was, it was, it was marvelous. Um, what do you think about the other side of the basketball though? Uh, was it the Sixers being, having no offense and, um, no shooters or was it the Celtics great defense or was it a combination of both? Combination of both. Al Horford Uh, was still a block machine and he's still the best player on the Celtics. Yeah. Al Horford was, I mean, he probably had the best nine point game I've seen in a long time. He had five blocks, I believe. And like Joel Embiid tried to post him up a lot and Joel Embiid should theoretically be able to post him up because he's probably two or three inches taller and God knows how many pounds heavier and super skilled but al horford just kind of kind of does his thing and uh i look i actually looked back at the numbers today and the 76ers last year with joel Embiid on the court and al horford um on the court as well like joel Embiid was like 37 percent shooting and Not good. Hor- Not great. Hor- Horford's just like he's the Embiid stopper, man. And he's also the Giannis stopper and the Ben Simmons stopper. He's he's a he's a reasonable stopper of men, um, is how you could describe Al Horford. And I I really thought he did. He had a fantastic game. Like he missed, I think, his one three from the corner, which was a nice pass from Kyrie. But other than that, like. And it was probably, like, maybe what we should expect from Al Horford. Like, he's not going to get too many opportunities to do things because they just have so many guys who can do things. Um, I do think they should involve him more often because when he does touch the ball, good things happen. And in the start of the second half, they went to Al Horford a few times, and he found... Aaron Baines for a wide open dunk, and then he hit a wide open jumper himself, and he was just doing Al Horford things. But what do you think about that Stevens adjustment? I was, I was, I thought that was checkers and chess stuff when he started with Baines 
That uh, was just because Gordon Hayward um, had a minutes restriction, and he wanted to have Gordo available for the end of the fourth quarter. Oh, I thought it was some, some top-level strategery, but I, I no, mean... It, so it wasn't top-level strategery. I think what's, what's, what's impressive about the Celtics, and I think Al Horford deserves a lot of credit for this, is they've been able to stop Joel Embiid even when they go small. Like, and and that's that's a huge thing with their matchup, right? Like, if they go small, Joel Embiid should feast, but he doesn't because Al Horford is fantastic and because they have so much length around him that they can bother Embiid a little bit with the help defense and they can guard. It helps that the 76ers don't have anyone can shoot and Terry yeah. Rozier can basically just abandon Markel Fultz and have ridiculous volleyball blocks. Like, Yeah, that that's, I think, Markel Fultz change. Mark Markel Fultz starting does not help um, the 76ers at least at this time. Like, there's a chance that Markel Fultz starting for however many games he starts ultimately ends up being a good thing for the 76ers, and it helps them. And all of a sudden, they're more dynamic, and they're more athletic, and they have more length, and good things happen for them. But right now, while he can't shoot and Ben Simmons can't shoot and Joel Embiid can't really shoot and J.J. Reddick's coming off the bench, it's like, what's the starting lineup supposed to do? How many points are they supposed to score? And, 87. And so I think I think it hurt them. Like, they threw a number of turnovers just trying to throw entry passes. Like, entry passes were tough for them because... <laughs> because they had no shooters and the Celtics were well aware of that. And Gordon Hayward was like, yeah, I don't really have to guard Ben Simmons. So let me just get in these passing lanes and steal these balls. And uh, so I, I'm not convinced the 76ers are better this year than they were last year, unless Ben Simmons and Embiid reach another level. Like they're going to have to reach another level because they lost Bellinelli and they lost Eliasova. And those two guys were like huge pieces of their second half turnaround. Um, but those guys just, they're not there anymore. And the shooting just isn't there. And with Fultz trying to, they're trying to play Fultz a lot. Get down. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You're I, on delay, bro. I saw that, yeah, I saw that 30 seconds ago. <laughs> I'm definitely on delay. Um, the Mookie Beth just lined one to right field. And some some bro on the Astros just made it. That's not a some bro. Catch. That's Gold Glover, Josh Reddick. Yeah, some bro. <laughs> Former Red Sox. Yeah, some bro. Um, <laughs> NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. 
Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure they they got much better, but Simmons and Embiid could always just take steps forward. And Simmons, I mean, they both did some unbelievable things. Those guys. Simmons' transition is is scary with his vision so and his scary. pass. He's and he's so insane. strong. It's like he's so strong. He's so good. Uh, and Embiid too. Like Embiid isn't always efficient against the Celtics. Uh, but like, imagine a world where he had like space to operate, where he could just go one on one, and he didn't have to deal with all these other like six eight athletes trying to help out because they can leave T.J. McConnell or Marco Fultz or Ben Simmons or whoever else is on the court for the Seventy Sixers. Like, there's another world where Joel Embiid is getting totally one on one coverage at all times and just mutilating people. So. Not Aaron what Baines. Think, yeah. Aaron Baines will not be mutilated. Aaron Baines almost dunked on Joel Embiid. I felt bad for Aaron Baines because he had his chance to dunk on Joel Embiid. And it's kind of been a long time coming. Like, Joel Embiid has probably dunked on him 19 times. Giannis has probably dunked on him, like, 45 times. Um, other superstars in the league have dunked on him at least 155 times. And he finally had his chance to, to get Embiid back. And just didn't quite make the left-handed slam. It would have been fantastic. Yeah, but I think I think his hairline trigger with three pointers that he has now is was enough payback, shooting the, more threes than Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons combined. When Al Horford <laughs> celebrated the Baines three before it went in, the ugliest form I've ever seen with his right foot, like miles in front of his left foot as a right. He always does that though. That's his I thing. know, but that, like on that one, it just looked particularly. No left awful. left foot miles in front of the right, which is even weirder. Whatever it was, it was bizarre. Most guys have the right foot forward, but he has the left foot forward, and then he like twists his body, and. But he he's he's been making them joints, and obviously Al Horford believes in him because Al Horford was, <laughs> it was like Steph Curry had shot the damn thing. <laughs> Like, like, bro, he's Aaron Baines. He is not Steph Curry. Um, but Horford, Horford enjoyed that one. I enjoyed that one. And, uh, yeah, we... What uh, what'd you think about um, Gordon Hayward's return to action? He had, he had some points. He made some few pull-up shots, had a lot of steals. He looked like he was making some good decisions out there. I had in my notes that he just kind of looked smart. Uh, and kind of making the right play, but clearly he didn't have the the same lift uh, I, I was going into the lane. His, I was more impressed by his power, certainly, than I was during preseason. Like, he went 
Joel Embiid was guarding him. He went straight by Joel Embiid. And Embiid was staying in front of most of the Celtics that he switched onto for the day. Um, like Jason Tatum, when he guarded him, he, he typically stayed in front of Jason Tatum. Um, other guys, Kyrie included, typically stayed in front of. Hayward, like, just drove by him. And I think you saw the power with Gordon Hayward's drives that you didn't see in preseason. And I don't think he's there yet. I certainly don't think he has all of his full package yet, but he got a lot closer than he was in preseason. Preseason, he, I mean, he, he just wasn't even close. And I felt like during that game, defensively, he was fantastic. So many steals, and he was just everywhere. And he's so strong. And you can see how how he's going to allow them to be great defensively while still staying small. Um, and then at the other end, I, I just felt like he had a, a level of assertiveness that he didn't have earlier. And it didn't, it didn't necessarily amount to much, um, but he just, there was a, there was definitely just a decisiveness to his game that he didn't have a week ago. And, and his, I, I, his long twos were, they felt like, better than some of the ones that Jason Tatum is throwing out there. They were, they were pull-up jumpers that kind of felt like in rhythm, that the, they were more open than the kind of the contested joints, the Kobe styles that, that Tatum's throwing up there. Um, yeah, and I agree his aggressiveness was um, a lot better uh, than uh, we saw in the preseason. Uh, and I also like the way that uh, Stevens used him on the bench with him and Tatum, and then I think it was Terry... Um, Mark is smart, and then Mook uh, sometimes. It, uh, it was interesting just kind of the different ways Stevens went to the bench because it there was never a full bench lineup. Uh, it was it always with a starter. It almost felt like Stevens like, all right, I got to play everyone minutes, and I need to like, I need to get this guy in at this point, and then I need to get this guy in at this point. It almost felt like he wasn't entirely comfortable with the lineups he was throwing out there, um, but it worked and. And that's what I think is going to be the key for them because they're going to be able to throw out totally different lineups and they're going to have to throw out totally different lineups because they're going to have, I don't know how many guys who think they could be worthy of 25 or 30 minutes a game. Um, So I thought he did a really good job of distributing the minutes in the first game. The Kyrie thing was kind of weird when Kyrie came out with like four and a half minutes left. And Terry Rozier went in, and Terry did, did Kyrie like? I don't think he would have pulled himself out of the game, but no. he was pretty honest afterwards. Like, yeah, I just like wasn't able to score, and Terry hit a big three down the stretch. I mean, is that should we? It was pretty shocking, but is Kyrie is is Brad just going to go with the the hot hands, like, is, or do you expect Kyrie? I don't, I don't think finish? so. I think for the most part, like, if Kyrie is Kyrie, if he's having even a decent game, he's going to be in the game. Um, but he was, he was clearly struggling and, but that was interesting because that was, I mean, that was literally the first game. And I think if, if they had been a little closer, if the 76ers had been a little closer, like if it had been a five point game and Kyrie had gotten yanked, it would have become a thing like, oh man, Kyrie got pulled. What's going on? Is he, is he worried about this? Is something crazy going on is but it was just they were up nine and then 
Rozier came in, hit a three. It was 12 immediately or 13 or whatever it was. And it was never a thing. And so I think that's going to kind of be how it has to be, though, right? Like, if, if Brad is going to embrace the depth like he says he is, he has to be man enough to kind of say, like, okay, Kyrie, you're two for 14, bro. And Terry Rozier is having a great game. And we don't necessarily need you right now. So let's just finish this out with somebody else. Or, but I, I, it's up to Brad to do that. And it's also up to Kyrie to be like, yep, that's the best for the thing for the team. And so, yeah. And, and Kyrie, to his credit, he said after the game, like, brought up totally on his own. He's like, I love playing with Terry. Like, he's one of the guys I love playing with the most. And, Nobody even asked Kyrie about coming out because I think it was just like just far enough um, from like it was a 10 point game. Yabu ended up closing out the game. It was like it kind of turned into a blowout. Brad Um, Wanamaker got his first NBA points. That was awesome, by the way, because the Wanamakers were right behind the press row and they were. They were screaming, man. It was it was great because rarely do you hear something like that in the NBA. Like, how often are are people that excited about one bucket in the NBA? But his, I think it must have been his family was behind us, and they were they lost their shit, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. Someone someone was screaming like, "Bust his ass, Brad! Bust his ass, Brad!" <laughs> and it was it was just so fantastic, like how excited they were to see Brad Wanamaker score a bucket in a game that was totally out of control. Like the the bucket had nothing to do with the game, but it was just like how long has he been toiling overseas? And all of a sudden he's twenty eight or whatever he is. I'm not even sure his exact age. Um but he makes the NBA and his whole family was there. I assume it was his family. And it's just, it's just an awesome story. Like he's been playing in Germany and he's been trying to get to the NBA and he finally gets to the NBA and he busted someone's ass. Just like, just like <laughs> his family wanted, man. It was awesome. It speaking, was so awesome. Speaking of busting someone's ass, look at that professional transition. Jason um, Tatum. Yeah, that's exactly who we need to talk about. He was, he was, Damn good. He was the best player on the floor for moments uh, of last night's game. And I, even with like taking some of the shots that uh, I didn't agree with, like that, that shot he banked in over Embiid, that just wasn't. Uh, yeah, that was a bad shot. Uh, wasn't great. Um, but his finishing in the lane um, and his defense is still uh, pretty good. I was just super impressed with his just general dominance uh, over, uh, especially in the first quarter. He was the, the only person who could score, really. Yeah, so my first my first thought there is the Celtics took a lot of kind of bad mid-range jumpers um, that Brad Stevens probably didn't agree with. You and, see, this is why I opened up the podcast by saying that the, I was less impressed because the offense was not great. Yeah, it didn't create I, open shots. It was a lot of one-on-one, and, and they shooting. got better. They got better in the second the second half of attacking the switch instead of like trying to score on the switch. Um, and that's that. That's a totally different thing to me. Like, if you attack the switch, you beat the switch, you find a guy who's wide open, 
and you try to get a really good shot uh, versus if you go one-on-one against the switch, you just pull up for a mid-range jumper, and that's what the Celtics did too often. Um, and Jason Tatum kind of did that, but whatever, he's Jason Tatum. It kind of works out. Kind <laughs> of seems to work out. Um, the one thing I will say is the Celtics starting lineup is going to create some weird matchups for teams. And I think we saw that last night. Like Joel when, the, when, the, when Hayward first came back in in the second half, they had three like really great possessions in a row that they didn't actually end up scoring any points. There's like the Kyrie Irving wide open um, yeah. missed three, when, and then Tatum had one right after that. But it does create some matchups. And basically, TJ McConnell was on the court, and it was like, we'll do yeah. whatever we can to just, attack TJ McConnell. They were posting right up TJ McConnell, and then. The Sixers were sending doubles, and they were getting wide open threes across the court, just missing them. Um, and that's what's going to happen is that with that lineup, they're going to be able to do, like, if there's any weak point on the court, the Celtics will be able to find that switch and attack. And so, although it didn't happen immediately in night one, like you can see the potential of just like the craziness that the the erotic city lineup will be able to create. Yeah, exactly. And I think more so the craziness was. Uh, when Joel Embiid was guarding Jason Tatum, like he's he literally started the game guarding Jason Tatum, and yeah, that, that's insane, which is nuts. And you think back to last year, and Embiid had all sorts of troubles guarding Horford, and I, I kind of get why they probably wanted to have him guard Tatum because Tatum would probably settle for long jumpers instead of Horford, who will like beat a closeout and find somebody else and create like wide open shots for his team versus Tatum who was just like murder the one-on-one matchup and that's it. Um, so I understand, I think why they did it, but it also spoke to how many difficulties that Celtics first lineup is going to put teams into. Like that's Joel Embiid, uh, all NBA. I think he was all NBA center and if he wasn't all nba last year he's probably going to be all nba this year and like they were able to guard him while putting him into disadvantageous situations and so that's that's kind of their whole thing this year is like they're going to be able to guard other teams and they're going to have so many threats that other teams are going to be forced into just weird situations to, to try to guard them. Like Joel Embiid spent most of his night like trying to keep up with Terry Rozier or oh, trying to keep Christ. up with Jason Tatum or trying to keep up with other guys who are a lot faster than him. <laughs> and that's tough. And he did a really good job. Like I, I think Joel Embiid had a fantastic defensive game. And he blocked Kyrie Irving a couple times. He He was really, really good defensively, I thought. Um, but at the same time, like the Celtics are just going to put teams in such, such, such difficult situations that they're not used to. And that was to me, the the most obvious thing from the first game is that, you know, you, you see the, the lineup on paper and you see them in preseason when they don't really give a damn. And you think, they should be able to put teams into 
kind of match up hell. And and they did. And that's what they did in the first game. And that's how they won. And they were able to sustain their defense um, no matter what Philadelphia did. <laughs> Apparently the Red Sox just won. But I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm on, buddy. Oh, I'm on tape delay. and the Jets. Oh, okay. I'm just going to let's stay silent and let you watch it. I'm on tape delay. So currently the Astros have the bases loaded. Oh, fuck you, Bregman. Oh, what a catch. <laughs> oh, what a catch. Fuck you, Bregman. Um, so, yeah, that's 3-1 for the Red Sox. Locked on Red Sox. Got you locked in. Um, uh, I'm completely distracted right now. Uh, I think we've gone on um, and, and said uh, all we can about this game. The only two things I want to ask you about um, before we end is, uh, what did you think happened on that weird Jalen Brown <laughs> Because it was very confusing to be a, to see that while uh, up from the halo. So maybe you had a better angle on it. I thought that, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand why Jalen Brown went ahead and talked his shit to Joel Embiid. But like, he did not dunk it. He got stuck. Joel Embiid blocked him. And he was really lucky that the ball somehow redirected into the hoop. So... Yeah, the, the Celtics got lucky a couple of times against the bead. I would say Tatum's bank job probably wasn't intended to be a bank job. However, the wink was fantastic. The wink was top notch. I will say, Taco J, man, he's he's certainly gained in confidence to be able to just wink at a guy after blatantly when you bank a shot like that, you, it doesn't feel good. Like if it, it happened to me tonight, like playing pickup, like I really missed on a three and it was a bank and you. You kind of have some shame walking back down the course like that was not intended. So to actually just wink afterwards, maybe it was a friendly wink like, oh, I, I shouldn't have made that. But it was more badass because Jason Tatum's uh, probably the best player on the Celtics right now. Oh, best player on the Celtics claim. I know. It's a, it's a bit of a hot take. And I also said earlier in the episode that it was Al Horford. So who knows where I'm going with this one. And then tomorrow you'll probably say Kyrie Irving. So... That's the beauty about the about the Celtics lineup. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, the privilege of meeting uh, Jack Michael in person. <laughs> that was awesome. That the inventor so... of Shoot a Three Coward, the meme. That, that was so fantastic because it was him and uh, Paradoxy, man. Oh, me and, and Doxy, yeah. And Paradoxy's the best. His, his real name is Andrew. I think his last name is – is his last name Doxy? That's what the internet says. Yeah, I don't even know if his last name's Doxy, but I know he's Paradoxy, and I know his his first name's Andrew, um, and he's a man. And so he came over to to the to the media um, section, and I was like, "Oh, my man!" And I went over to say hi to him, and then he was with Jack Michael, and <laughs> Jack introduced himself as Jack. The Jack, <laughs> and I knew exactly what he was talking about. I was like, I was like, ah, oh. I was oh, like, oh shit, oh, you're the oh, legend. That is a flex. You <laughs> well are the done. legend, and uh, it was awesome because it was cool to meet him. I've I've obviously enjoyed many of his suites for a long time, and so it was great to meet him. And then, <laughs> and then to call himself Jack the Jack was just. <laughs> Just the ultimate flex. 
and I knew if if I hadn't known who he was talking about, it would have been like the worst move ever. But once once I knew exactly who he was talking about, like that's just a baller move. <laughs> he owned the night. It's it's such a baller move. And so Could you hear from the media section any people yelling for Ben Simmons to shoot? Um, because I could hear it from up in the halo, and that's basically that is that is what Jack Michael's claim to fame is inventing shoot a three coward. That was a pretty. I mean, that's that's a big time invention because that has gotten to the point where Simmons has had to address it. <laughs> he's he's literally had to address it. Would Jack um, Michael go up to Ben Simmons and say, "Hi, I'm Jack, the Jack"? <laughs> <laughs> I think he needs to do that. That would be amazing. That would truly be amazing. We'll see if you can pull some of your strings at the athletic and get that to happen. I need it. I need it. But yeah, honestly, meeting 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 Jack and talking to my man, my man Paradoxy again. Just, just two legends. Two legends. I I can't say enough. And and they're both just awesome guys. Like, they are just super positive Celtics fans who are there to have fun and just seem to to enjoy basketball for what it is, which is the greatest sport that's ever been sported. Ooh, um, you're on a roll right now. I'm gonna let you take it on home after that one. I guess I could take it on home after that one. That is, I mean, that's that's the end of this episode. Uh, if if we if we couldn't get any better than Jack Michael and Paradoxy, then we just shouldn't try to get any better. And so we're just going to end this thing. We are the Lockdown Celtics, the greatest Celtics podcast that has ever been created. The only Monday through Friday Celtics podcast. If you don't subscribe to us already, you should do so on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you, wherever else you get your podcast. Search for Locked On Celtics and and just listen to us every day. Make us a part of your daily routine. We will we will cherish you forever if you do. And and you should you should also use the hashtag Raining Jays because that is fantastic. Raining Jays with no G. Rain in Jays. Use it during the game. We'll 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 read pretty much whatever you write. Yeah, we will. And some of those tweets are hilarious, man. Like that that hashtag was flying high again in game one, and I went back and read them, and it was just just fantastic. Some of them were just hilarious. So the people are fantastic. They're probably a lot more funny than we are. Uh, maybe funnier than you. Certainly funnier than I am. Probably not quite as funny as Sam Jem Packard. It's certainly a lot funnier than Corrales. <laughs> well, that was just uncalled for, but I liked it. That was I, I, I just had to take a shot. I just had to take a shot. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this episode of the Lockdown Celtics Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales, Lockdown Celtics.
Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.